As Danielle said, this is part two, and the sermon is called Breaking Free of Fear. The series text that has given us the title is Psalm 34, the first half of verse 8, and it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Last week, very quickly, last week, I preached from Psalm 34, and I covered verses 1, 2, and 3, and I'm just going to read it to you very quickly because we're going to continue on with verse 4 and 6 and 7 uh, today. So, last week we read, I will extol the Lord at all times, and the whole uh, premise of last week's message was that praise is the chicken soup to the soul. That when we praise God, David says, I will praise him at all times. That means in all circumstances as well. I am not going to praise God for the evil that happened. I'm going to praise God despite the evil that has happened. Can I get an agreement? Amen. God isn't the author of confusion. He's not the author of disease. He's not the author of tragedy. Jesus made it very clear. I don't understand why some religious leaders still don't get it. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus said, have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Can I get agreement? Come on. Yeah. Let's be rowdy here today. <laughs> so uh, David says, I will extol the Lord at all times, even in difficult times. I'm going to praise God despite what the enemy's trying to do and to spite the enemy for what he's trying to do. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice with me. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us, let us exalt his name together. Amen. Praise God. Well, today, we're going to open our Bibles to Psalm 34, and we're going to start with verse 4. And this is what David says. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. I want to take that first line, and uh, I want to share something here with you. Uh, first of all, David says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I love the fact that David didn't just say, well, God delivered me in a moment of fear. He delivered me in a moment of a crisis. No, that's not what he said. And I'm going to prove it to you from the Hebrew in just a moment. David said, he delivered me from all of my fears. 
Uh, most of us, we like to think we have it all together until under pressure or under unique circumstances, we find out that there's still a little switch that will trigger us and cause us to start worrying excessively. That's a form of fear. Being fearful, our heart starts to palpitate and we start to anticipate negative things happening to us. When David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me, he delivered me from all my fears, that word fear in the Hebrew is very different than other words and other times that the word fear is used in the Old Testament. I have two other scriptures that I'll read later that use the word fear, and each of those verses, it's a different word. This word that I'm about to show you is very unique, very specific, and I think it is very liberating when you understand what David said when he said he has, God has delivered me from all my fears. How many of you here can think of at least one thing that can trigger a little bit of fear or worrisome concern? Can I see your hand? Be honest with me. All right, thank you for being so honest. The word fear comes from the Hebrew word and the reference in the Strong's. The Strong's is a book that we use that has every Hebrew word broken down into today's definitions and translations and what it would mean in the vernacular. And it also does the same with the Greek. Well, he, uh, the reference number is H4035. And the word is pronounced megura, megura. And what's interesting about this word is that it almost seems to have two irrelevant meanings alongside of it. One is fear and fright. We can understand that. The other is a storehouse and a granary. What is a granary and a storehouse got to do with fear and fright. I think what makes it really relevant is that David said, He delivered me from all my fears. How many of you know that there are things that are hidden deep inside of us and they only come to the surface at inopportune times? And sometimes we didn't even know they were there. But these fears will suddenly rise up and try to dominate us, and try to speak to us. And David here is talking about all of his fears. What the Hebrew word megura is really saying is, God has delivered me even from the memory bank of all the fears, the storehouse, the granary, the place where the history of memories is collected. Wow, David is acknowledging that God went deep down into his soul and even the stuff that got into him in his childhood, even the stuff that got into him in his adolescence, the fears that developed inside of him and took root 
and were triggered at different points in his adult life, David is saying that God is the one who could go into the memory banks of humanity. He could go into the barn, the storehouse, the granary, where the memory of fears are locked up that normally come to the surface when the enemy sets up a perfect scenario. Wow. How many of you want God to go into your granary of memories, right? And route out every fear. Praise God. Absolutely. I remember when I was a little kid, I've often talked about how I was very sickly at birth. To the point where my parents couldn't wash me with water. I was allergic to water. They had to bathe me in oil, uh, baby's oil, and use uh, swabs to wipe me down. Uh, I couldn't take mother's milk. I couldn't take formula. I was allergic to any form of uh, milk other than goat's milk. And so there were many, many ailments. I was very sickly, even as a young kid growing up, until God totally healed me and set me free. But together with the infirmity was inferiority and fear. And I had tremendous fears in my life. In fact, my girl cousins were more brave than I was. I, we'd go to school, and I remember when we first started school, I had a, a female cousin, and, uh, you know, the first day of school, she's all excited and happy, and I'm crying looking for my mother. We would get together in family uh, uh, festivals, and I remember one time, uh, a couple of my uncles, one lived downstairs and the other lived upstairs with their families, and uh, as the families had come together to feast there, they were telling us how there was this monster, a boogeyman, on the other side of the fence. And so all the little kids were all a little bit timid, but I was petrified. And so since I was the one that was petrified, they picked me up and lifted me over that fence, and I went hysterical. I was screaming, I was crying, I was petrified. And uh, then, of course, I, I heard some of the adults say, stop that, leave them alone. And other kids, you know, chattering, laughing, uh, playing. And then, this is in New York, all of a sudden I hear the, the alarm system of the police, you know, the police sirens going off. And I'm thinking, this is the end of the world. <laughs> And I was absolutely petrified. But that kind of fear followed me all through my life, right up until the age of 15, uh, well, uh, 13, 14, until God delivered me. I literally had traumas in my life, and with trauma comes thought-associated patterns. And in those thought-associated patterns, a strong man, a demonic entity who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, lives in those thought patterns. Now, today I'm not preaching on uh, thought patterns, but I can show you 
uh, at any given time from Scripture how words and belief systems, especially in trauma, uh, become a place where demons hide in the bruises of our soul. The soul is made up of the intellect and the emotions. And in a trauma, the intellect says, why is this person that I should be able to trust abusing me or neglecting me or uh, abandoning me or rejecting me? And the mind of logic and reason and the mind of emotion start to sever and it becomes a tearing, it becomes a breaking. And in that confusion, when a, a person who is supposed to be a person of trust has invalidated that bond of relationship, that the mind and the emotions fracture, and the mind then starts to, in its trauma, come up with conclusions and summaries of what's going down, and in those summaries and in those memories, strongholds start to be built. Demons gladly fill those spaces. And then you could be 30 years later in life, trekking down the road, and a similar scenario starts to uh, set itself up. Sometimes, a person who's been traumatized can be triggered purely by a smell. Just a smell. And it'll bring them back to the place of trauma. It could be a song. It could be a phrase that somebody says. It could be a physical action or a look on someone's face. How many of you, and, and if you're all honest with me, everybody's hand's going to go up. How many of you, you're having a conversation with someone and you see a certain look on their face, and immediately your imagination assumes this is what they're saying, and I'm getting ready to defend myself mentally or emotionally. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the granary. That's the storehouse of memories of fear, moments where we were hurt, injured, abused, severe trauma, or minor trauma doesn't change the fact it's still trauma. And here David, who was a mighty warrior, here's David who had won many, many victories in battle, on the field and off the field. But David makes a confession. This whole psalm is about taste and see that God is good. Come on, experience God. That's what David is saying. Don't just know about Yahweh. Don't just know about this great God of Israel. Experience Him. Live with Him. Have relationship with Him. Come and taste and see that God is good. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Amen. I think of the demoniac that was on the other side of the Galilee. On the eastern side of the Galilee were all uh, Jewish towns and Hebrew populations. On the far western side, right up against the hills, were Gentile towns. And one day Jesus deliberately gets in a boat and he says to his disciples, we're going to go over to the other side. 
And there was one lone character that Jesus set out to see. And that was the man, his name is never given. We know him by the name that demons gave him. See, maybe when you were a kid, demons gave you a name, Scaredy Cat. And you were known as the Scaredy Cat. You were known as the, the one who has no confidence. Known as the one who's always afraid. Well, the demons gave this man a name, and we know him by the name that demons gave him. When they saw Jesus, they said, why have you come to torment us ahead of our time? I want everyone here to understand something. Demons know what their final end is going to be. They know that they're going to be cast into a lake of fire forever and ever. They know the torment that's coming. But in the meantime, misery loves company. And they want to take as many people with them. And they want to wreck as many lives as what they can. And so they said to Jesus, why have you come to torment us ahead of our time? And they told Jesus, our name is Legion for we are many. And as Jesus started to cast these demons out of this man, I love the fact that the Bible says at the end of it, he was clothed and in his right mind. I don't expect anything less. If you're really having a relationship with Jesus, then everything about your relationship should expect the same supernatural God who created the heavens and the earth. If you're having a relationship with Jesus Christ, then in your imagination, you need to accommodate today the same Jesus who walked up and down the streets of Judea, healing people and setting them free. I feel sad for people whose theology doesn't accommodate the miraculous power of God. God isn't any different than he ever was. He is the same. He is still a deliverer. He's still a savior. He still heals and he still sets people free. Jesus cast these demons out and they said, before we leave, can we at least go into another vessel Uh, Can we go into that herd of swine, those pigs that the farmers have? And Jesus cast them out and they went into the pigs and the pigs were driven by these demon spirits into the lake and they all got drowned. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I want to tell you that fear in your life will always rob you of something. And it will definitely rob you of God's best. And so I was sitting here this morning thinking as we were worshiping, God, you know, last week the chicken soup tied in with my message perfectly. And then a humorous thought came before my mind. I said, what do I, how do I tie in sausages and peppers or peppers and sausages? And immediately I had this flash vision of all the dead swine on the side of the lake. And I thought, They must have made sausages and peppers. So, whenever fear comes, I want you to remember that Jesus cast out 
a hundred demons at a time. And that same Jesus is inside of you. And he turned them into sausages and peppers. Amen. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So here we go. Gina, why don't you try that? Tell us if it passes the taste test. Rick, isn't it? Rick, and your lovely wife, great to have you guys back. Amen. Give them a warm welcome. Do you eat pork? Do you think you might like some Italian sausages and peppers? Always willing to try, right? Here we go. Is it good? All right. Here you go, guys. You can share that. And uh, I'm sure Lynn has got a garbage bag somewhere. Last week, she kept popping up with everything I need. In a moment, I'm going to ask her if she's got the kitchen sink over there. She is so organized. Lynn, I believe your daughter and son-in-law are here. Is that right? You guys want to try some? I bet you've never been in church like this, right? <laughs> now, for everybody, we have sausages and peppers afterwards. We also have trays of shrimp with uh, the cocktail sauce. So you're going to leave here blessed, but you're going to be blessed mostly because of the Word of God. Amen. Would you like some sausages and peppers? All right. Just hand out one more dish here and we'll get straight back into the word. I know Paul Aquino over there being an Italian and having an Italian mom, he's just drooling out of both sides of his mouth. That's why I'm deliberately not giving it to him. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Can you smell it? I want the smell to register. I just told you about how Jesus single-handedly cast out a hundred demons. Those demons had to go into the swine and destroyed the swine's life, but that man was saved. Amen. Amen. So David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. I want you to understand one of the reasons that David could say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good is because he's had many experiences where he would seek God regarding an, uh, an issue and God would answer him. We can say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good because we have asked God in the past to deliver us, to heal us, to do a miracle in our lives, and he has answered, hallelujah. And this is where David is coming from. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Magura. The memory banks of hurts. The memory banks of wounds. I want to tell you that God set me free from a ton of fears. I used to be afraid of people. 
I was very shy. I was very bashful. You know, there's a little verse in Hebrews when it's talking about all the great men and women of God. And it says, whose weaknesses were turned to strengths. I used to be afraid of the dark. I was so afraid of the dark. I was afraid at night if I had to go to the bathroom to get out of the bed because someone would be under the bed and suck me in. Years later, after I got set free, I was discussing this with my brothers and, and they were talking about a movie that we had watched. And I was just a kid and I, I don't know if it was aliens or what, but they were sucking people up through the ground. And as a little kid, you see these things and it's like a reality to you. In your imagination, you're seeing it acted out. You're watching people screaming. You're watching people fearful. And we don't realize stuff like this will traumatize young minds. And that incident became the basis of a fear. I would not only be afraid to stand up uh, and get out of the bed and stand up because someone under the bed would grab me, Get ready for the next bit. I'll allow you to laugh at my expense. I was afraid to sit on the toilet bowl because someone was down there and they were going to pull me down. And so whenever I woke up in the middle of the night, our house looked like a Christmas tree. I would turn on every light in the house to go to the bathroom. And I never went to the bathroom without checking to see if I could see anyone. And I was still afraid that someone would come and get me and suck me down. You know what I learned about fear? Having had a long acquaintance with fear, I've come to realize fear knows no logic. You could try to fight fear with logic and common sense and it doesn't go away. You know why it doesn't go away? It's a spirit. It's a spirit. And that thing will talk to you, and it'll talk to your emotions. It'll pull on triggers in your memory, and it'll pull on the emotions you felt in the moment of that trauma. A fractured heart. See? And Jesus comes to set us free from that stuff. David says, he has set me free from all my fears. He has gone down into my memory banks. He has gone down into the granary of everything that has ever happened to me. And he has healed my soul and set me free. Hallelujah. How many of you want Jesus to go into your memory banks and heal you of every scar, every hurt, every trauma? Come on, give the Lord a shout. If you want that, give God a praise offering today. David says, oh, taste and see. This is the word of God. He says, oh, taste and see. God cleared out my memory bank so that there's no reason for fear. Can I tell you something? God would be a liar and he would be setting us up for disappointment. For David to write, God goes down into my granaries, into my memory banks, and heals all the scars of fear. Come, oh, taste and see. For God to allow that to remain in the word, he would be a liar if he wasn't willing to do that for you.
Amen. Amen. And so where fear was one of my great weaknesses, God's taken that thing and he's turned it into strength. And uh, he has given me tremendous confidence, tremendous faith, especially whenever I'm in a situation where, you know, in counseling and we're praying for someone and a demon starts talking and growling and manifesting. I can honestly say, because of what Jesus Christ has done, there's no fear, no fear whatsoever. What the enemy can do doesn't even rate compared to what my father has already done and what my father is doing and what my father will do. Can I get agreement? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Absolutely. David goes on to say, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And then he says, this is really cool. Listen to this. This poor man called. This is the second time he's telling us that he called out to God and God answered him. He says it in the beginning, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Church. I want you to taste and see that God is good. And it's not by coming here in your own personal life as things arise. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. When things are good, worship with Him. Love on Him. Get into a real relationship with the God of the universe. And you will taste. You will have a personal experience. You, you know, Job said this here. He said at the end of his situation, when he finally broke through, Job says this, I had lived on the rumors of God, but now I know him. Amen. I don't want you to live on the rumors or other people's stories of God. I want you to taste and see that God is good. So David says, this poor man called and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now what's really cool about this is that the word here, poor, this poor man, is the same word David used and we read it last week. When he says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. When you go back to the Hebrew manuscripts, the same word for afflicted is the same word David uses for himself. This poor man. In verse 2, it's translated as afflicted. In verse uh, 6, it's translated as poor. And the word here is H6041, ani, which I shared with you last week means afflicted, humble, lowly, needy, poor. And it comes from the root word ana, which means depressed in mind or circumstances. So in other words, David is saying, I was the afflicted at one time. I was the one who was oppressed mentally and circumstantially. I was the one full of fear. 
all of you who are afflicted like I was, come and rejoice in the Lord with me because I sought him and he healed me, he delivered me, he cleaned out my memory banks and all that garbage is out of my soul and I am free, free, free. Whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Yeah, praise God. I'm giving it my best shot. Praise God. How was, how was the peppers and sausages? Peppers and sausages. They were good? All right. You made sure you shared some with your lovely wife? You'd be in trouble. It's Valentine's Day if you didn't share that. All right. Now hear this. Verse 7. This is what David says. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. You know, this morning, as I was putting the finishing touches to my message, my phone rings, and it's a couple who are members of this church. They are retired now, and they're traveling the countryside in their RV, staying a, a month or two at a time in an RV park, and they're registered as like custodians, and so they do handyman work when they go to these different uh, RV places. Charles and Ellen Lina. And they call me, and I'm thinking, that is really unusual that they would be calling me, especially on a Sunday morning. And as soon as I picked up, I said, hi, guys, how you doing? They said, Pastor, we're doing great, we're fine. As soon as they said that, I knew that something must have happened. They said, we, we want to just praise God. They said, we were driving last night around 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock through Texas, coming over a bridge. And they have a, um, a little truck with a fifth wheel and a big RV that they pull and they said, as we were coming over the bridge and coming down, we flipped. Everything has been totaled. They said, if we had a flipped and slid to the right-hand side, we would have gone over the embankment and down a large ravine. They said, we, were, we had the radio on and we were listening to uh, different preachers preaching and we were praising the Lord. And, and, and she, they both said, she said first, but our truck and our trailer just stayed center on the road, even though it flipped, and it went straight down the road, and none of us are injured or hurt. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, he delivers them. Job, in the very early chapters of Job, chapter 3, Job makes a confession, and he says, The thing I have greatly feared has come upon me, and what I have dreaded has happened to me. And there is the fear of anticipation. 
And some people are paralyzed. There's this constant stream flowing underneath the surface that even though things are going good, they can never 100% enjoy the good things that are happening because there's a fear, a dread, an anticipation that something is going to go wrong. God wants to deliver you of the memories. God wants to deliver you of the disappointments. God wants to deliver you from the expectation of fear and disaster so that when you're sitting down enjoying a good meal, you can enjoy it through and through. And I'm not just talking about a meal. I'm talking about any good moment in your life. You see. So Job lived in the anticipation of fear. I, I have a statement they're going to put up on the screen for me. I want you to hear this and get it. Anticipated fear is the opposite of expectant faith. Anticipated fear is the opposite of expectant faith. Jesus tells us, if you believe and confess with your mouth and you don't doubt it in your heart, it shall be done. Everyone look at me. You understand there are laws in this natural world. And if I get up on a, an eight-foot ladder and jump off, I'll probably get hurt. I won't just float, will I? There are laws to the natural world, but there are equally and equally understandable and discernible laws to the spirit world. And Jesus makes no bones about it, that what you believe in your heart and do not doubt, it shall come to pass. This is a law in the world of the Spirit that God designed long before He designed the law of gravity. Are you hearing me? Absolutely. We are so finite in our thinking and we only seem to understand the things we see and we can experience. But on this planet, God created a law of gravity. And according to these laws, if you fall from a building, you're in serious trouble. But before this law and other laws that cover this planet and jurisdict this planet, God, from the beginning, had laws in the spirit world. In fact, this realm... And the laws on this realm came out of the laws of the Spirit. And so this law of faith, expectant faith, Jesus is trying to bring heaven to earth in his believers by teaching them the laws of the Spirit so that even though they live in a natural world governed by demons, they can override the mountains of life by understanding the principle and the laws of faith. And so it is a divine law 
That if you believe in your heart, you have expectancy and you speak it out of your mouth and you're excited and you praise God about it, it will come to pass. Now my point is, the devil who started in the spirit world knows this law really well. And he knows that if he can get you to reverse it, you will bring about your own tragedy. You will bring about your own demise. You will open the windows, open the doors, open the back door, and allow the enemy to come and steal, kill, and destroy. Anticipated fear is the opposite of expectant faith. At the end of Job's ordeal, he, made the, he came to the conclusion, I lived on the rumors of him, but now I know him. And lastly, I close with this here, Proverbs 29, 25, first part of 25. And this is what it says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. Now, some translations say the fear of man is a snare. This says the fear of man proves to be a snare. But what's interesting is whether it's the word is or whether it's the word proves to be, in the Hebrew, this is what it says. If we pull the Hebrew up, H5414, it is nafan, nafan. And it is a primitive root word. It's a base word. It's used with great latitude, but what it means is the fear of man will bring, bring down, add, allow, bestow, appoint, ascribe, assign, cause a snare or a trap to take place. Wow. That's Bible. Whether you use the word is or prove to be, that's what it means. The fear of man will bring or bring down a snare. The fear of man, no, stay with the translation. Can we go back? The fear of man will add a snare. How many of you deliberately want to add a snare to your life? How many of you want to bring down traps on yourself? The fear of man will bestow, appoint, ascribe, assign, or cause traps to be laid in your life. No wonder David says, I thank God he's gone through my memory banks. I thank God he's gone through the granary of my memories and he's wiped out all the fears. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. I'm not going to give the devil any help to bind me up. In the same way, God wants to go through your memory banks and set you free. I'm going to give you a really simple, almost an insignificant example. You know, when you're a teenager, you want to look really tough. You want to look buff if you're a guy, you know. I was 
very athletic when I was younger. I was very ripped. I still am. The only difference is I'm ripped apart. With Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes I want to be funny, and I know people are thinking, oh, Pastor, your words are going to curse you, so I make sure I bring it to a conclusion. There you go. But a simple little thing, a simple little thing from my childhood, if I saw a spider, I would go into an involuntary shake. The moment I saw one, and you know, when you're a guy, you're trying to be really cool especially when you're a bit of a ringleader. And the last thing you want is for a spider to appear out of the peripheral of your vision and you're being Mr. Cool and all of a sudden you're shaken. And I tried so many times to stop the reaction and could never stop the reaction until one day. I said, God, this is a fear. Why is this fear in me? And immediately I saw a picture of me being an infant, just maybe a toddler in the carriage, and my mother panicking because there was a bug or a spider, some type of insect. And uh, you know how some ladies do, you know? She didn't jump up on the chair, uh, but she got all fearful and frightful. And I saw this image playing out in front of me. And I knew that God was giving me a word of knowledge and showing me the time and the moment, the picture that resonated in my mind as a child. And I immediately started a prayer and I said, Father, I thank you for that memory. And now you're going to wipe it out of my mind. I have no reason to fear. You're my Lord and my Savior. And it doesn't matter what that image might be. I'm talking to you. It doesn't matter what that image might be. It might be a time where you were molested, rejected, abused, thrown out of the house, kicked in the guts, whatever that picture is. You take that image, ask the Holy Spirit, bring things to the surface as I'm ready to deal with them. Because I want to be able to say, like David, you magurad all of my fears. You wiped out the memory banks. I don't want to be talking to somebody or having a relationship with somebody and be anticipating negative things based on stuff that is now hardwired into my memory banks. I want you to clean me out. You see, and so I did that. I said, Jesus, I rebuke that spirit that came in. Yeah, don't be afraid to do that. People say, oh, I'm demon possessed. No, but you're demon harassed. The guy that had a hundred demons cast out, he wasn't in his right mind. He was possessed. But you can be oppressed. You could be harassed. 
He could have a stronghold, a trigger point inside of you. It doesn't make you less of a Christian. It doesn't make you less beautiful than you are. It makes you the same good person who is harassed by the devil like you've always been. And so I recognized this and I said, I rebuke that demon that lives in these memories. You foul spirit of of fear. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You will not have control over my mind or my emotions, let alone my body. In the name of Jesus, I break your power and I have the victory. Now that might be a silly thing to you. That might be inconsequential. But here's the God's honest truth before the Lord. I promise you that from that moment, I have had spiders walk on my arm. In Australia, where, you know, land down under, uh, it's not uncommon. In the middle of your sleep, you wake up because you feel something on your arm and it's a spider, okay? And so I had numerous occasions where they would be on me and I'd just wipe them off and there'd never be a shudder or a flutter. You know why? That demon didn't live in the bruise anymore. But I understand that there are bruises in life that are a lot more significant than that. And I want you to know Jesus is big enough for every one of them. For every one of them. I want you to taste and see that God is good. Maybe your aunt died of a particular disease and uh, your mother contracted it and maybe a Debilitated her and maybe she died. Maybe they had to have some kind of surgery to get the cancer out or whatever it might be. And the fear of anticipation, I have to be careful I'm going to get it. I have to be careful I'm going to get it. And for years, my dad died of diabetes and his mother died of diabetes. And for years, the fear, the anticipation, ah, you got to be careful you're going to get it. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to live with it. I've been delivered. I am set free. And so are you in Jesus' name. Amen. The key is, in this passage, the key is, David said, I sought the Lord. The context was his fears. He said, I sought the Lord. And I want to encourage you. God isn't up there busy with all of his ceremonial uh, trappings of heaven. He is intimately involved with the needs of his sons and his daughters. David said, I sought the Lord. If there are areas of fear in your life, I want you to ask God to bring to the surface the memory. If you need to seek counseling, we have pastors here, Pastor Tom, Pastor Carlos, Pastor Jan, and they will pray with you. But you can pray, and as you start to remember things, you become the bulldog that you are in Jesus Christ, and you rebuke the enemy, and you tell the devil, devil, 
you have no right over these thoughts and these memories and these hurts in my life. I have been redeemed. I have been set free. The blood of Jesus covers me. And take the blood of Jesus and put it over that memory. Put it over that trauma. Put it over that spot that causes you to become paralyzed with fear in the midst of even friends. Take the blood of Jesus and say, demon, I cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ. You will not hold me and you will not control me anymore in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to encourage you to follow the patterns that we see in the Bible. David sought the Lord. Twice he said it. In this passage, and twice he said, the Lord has answered me. And his testimony was, he has gone through my data banks. He has gone through the granary of all the memories of all the hurts. And he has set me free. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you stand with me? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Everyone look at me for a moment. How many of you immediately something resonated with you and a fear came to mind? Can I see your hand? Okay, put it down. I want you to take that thing and I'm going to pray and you're going to pray. I want you to learn how to use authority when you pray. Don't just wait for the pastors to exercise authority. You have authority. In my name, Jesus said. In my name. The power is in the name of Jesus. It's not in the name of Rob Scarallo. If you trust in the name of Rob Scarallo, let me tell you what else is there. Let me get off of your pristine little pedestal that you made for me. In the name of Rob Scarallo is also disappointment and failure. But in the name of Jesus, there is always, always victory and faithfulness. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to put your hand, everyone, put your hand over your heart. Those of you who thought of a particular fear, I want you to focus on it and speak to it. Those of you who didn't have something come to mind, then just speak generally over your life. Repeat after me, dear God, I can never be safer than in your hands. I thank you that you love me and you have me. Irrespective of what I've experienced in the past, irrespective of my hurts and wounds, you are the good shepherd and you have me and you protect me. Now, Father, I take authority in the name of Jesus Christ over the fears that have paralyzed me and in Jesus' name, I command that spirit that lives in my wounds. You will not hold me anymore 
But in Jesus' name, I have the victory. I command you to leave. Get out. Out of my memory. Out of my emotions. Out of my thoughts. And out of my physical body. In the name of Jesus Christ, I am delivered. I am set free. And I am redeemed. In Jesus' name. Now tell the devil, you're a liar, devil. I'm not going to believe you anymore. Go on, tell him. Tell him, you're not going to believe him. I will fear no evil. That's what David said. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because God went through the granary, the memory banks of fear and he cleansed his soul that's why David could make such great testimonial boasts though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil everyone look at me one more time well it doesn't have to be one more time again I'm going to be here for a long time just look at me again. Thank you. Yes. I want you to understand something. Jesus said this about the devil. You need to know this. He was talking to his disciples, and the Pharisees were saying that Jesus was casting out devils by the prince of Beelzebub. And in that conversation, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil who was a liar from the beginning. And when he speaks, his native tongue is the language of lies. Fear will try to talk to you. I want you to bring him back to the day of sausages and peppers. Swine and peppers. And you bring him back to this day Remember to smell in your nose and say, no, in the name of Jesus, fear you're trying to talk to me, but I'm going to talk back. In the name of Jesus, I cast you out and broke your hold over me through Jesus Christ on that day. Amen. The devil's a liar, and here's the good thing. That spirit of fear starts telling you why you need to be afraid and how you are afraid. He's a liar. So what does that mean? The opposite is the truth. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Before we go and feast on swine and peppers. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart or if you've walked away, sometimes we walk away by just not giving him the time, the attention, and the honor that he deserves. Maybe it's a time to renew or restore that first love. Maybe you never denied him, but you sure didn't oblige him and bow down to him. Maybe you became busy with life 
and life became more busysome than spending time with God. Every eye closed. If you have never asked Jesus into your heart, or if you want to make a fresh recommitment, while every eye is closed, raise your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. I want to ask Jesus in my heart. Thank you. I see that hand, sir. You put it down. Who else? Others, be, be honest. Thank you. I see that hand, young man. God bless you. You can put it down. Who else today wants to say yes to Jesus? Come on. Maybe you've given him your heart before, but you just, you really haven't been letting him be Lord in your life. You haven't really been actively serving him and pursuing him. If that's you, come on, raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear stop you. I saw that hand. Thank you, guys. Who else? Who else? Put your hand up and say, that's me. I want to make a change today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone repeat after me. Dear God, I love the fact that you abundantly love me. And you love me more than I love you. And you keep loving me. Jesus Christ, I need you. I want you. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And come into my life. Fill my life with your presence. Today, I make covenant with you. I give you permission to live in me to lead me, to guide me, direct me. Forgive me of all my sins. I accept you, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. And everyone said, amen and amen. Father, I thank you for prayers that have been prayed here today. And I thank you, I stand with men and women, that the spirit of fear that they rebuked, the wound in their lives that they addressed, I agree. And as your son, I agree. And we pull down those strongholds and say, no more, no more, no more, no more will the trigger points be activated. No more will the links in the mind of the memory be triggered. No more will emotions be set alight. No more. In the name of Jesus, we agree that the spirits of fear, all manner of paranoia and fears, broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, and they shouted, come on, give the Lord a victory shout. Yeah. Yes. 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 Amen. 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 Wow.